meetings every Monday morning. So we're going to go ahead and pray over the offerings. Bow your heads with me. God, I thank you for all that you're doing this morning. God, the ways you've already been moving. God, the ways you've already been speaking to our hearts. God, I pray that as Pastor Scott comes and speaks, God, that you would just open our hearts to hear what you want to speak to us, God. I pray that we would catch hold of what you're saying to us this morning and not just listen, God, but that we would work so strongly to apply that in our lives, God, and to see you move in our lives as a result of what we hear this morning, God. God, I pray for this offering. I pray that you would just bless it, that you would use it to further your kingdom in ways that we can't even imagine, God. God, I thank you for all that you're doing and all you're going to continue to do this morning and even this week, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and check out this video. Hi, I'm Sandy. Welcome to Church of Briargate. We are glad that you are spending your Sunday morning with us. Let me tell you about a few events coming up. Students, the movement is having a back-to-school bash during youth service time tonight from 6 to 7.30 p.m. There will be games, food, and a short service to start the new school year off right. Invite your friends. Ladies, Tricia Winslow, our Women's Ministry Director, will lead a DVD study on the book Forgotten God by Francis Chan starting this Tuesday, August 28th from 10.45 a.m. to 12.15 p.m. at the church. The Bible study will go through October 9th. Please purchase your book and study guide before the first meeting. Men, you are invited to Pastor Scott and Linda's home for food and a time of prayer this Thursday at 6 p.m. Thanks again for worshiping with us today. For more information about these and other church events and ministries, be sure to visit our website, churchatbriargate.org. You can also stay connected by liking us on Facebook. Have a great week. Good morning. Lovely morning this morning. I uh, was thinking about this the other day. I was sitting out on the, um, my back porch drinking a cup of coffee. Everybody was gone somewhere. It was me all by myself. Well, the dog, but you know. And uh, just, just thinking, you know, God really does some pretty amazing things regularly. I, I was processing this because of the, of the, the weather and the mountains and the, the the, it was still fairly early in the morning. The sun was just had just come up, and um, I was thinking, you know, God does some really cool things. I, I one process of thought with this is um, I, I heard this a few years ago. Dan Shepard was praying for food, his meal, you know, praying over the meal, and he said, "God, thank you for making chicken taste so good." 
And uh, now I don't agree with that, but uh, but I, I think you know God God didn't have to make food taste good. He didn't have to make the the sky look pretty. He didn't have to uh, make people pretty to other people. I mean, you could go down a whole list of things that we just kind of take for granted that this is just the way that it is. But in reality, God's pretty amazing. He does some pretty cool things that we just we don't really think about sometimes. We just we just go through. We just kind of live life sometimes instead of saying, wow, God's pretty big. Um, I did want to <clears throat> do something democratically this morning because that's who I am. Um, <clears throat> so I, this is the second time I wore this bow tie. Let's take a vote. <laughs> Wait, Stan. So, so how many of you like the bow tie? Raise your hand. How many of you don't like the bow tie? Raise your hand. <laughs> All right, so here is, I mentioned this a few weeks ago when I first wore it the very first time. The reason I wore it is because one of my elders, Dr. Matthews, told me I should get a bow tie. And because I'm submissive to those much, much older than I am, I got a bow tie. But he said, I specifically said to him, if I get one, you've got to get one and you've got to wear it too. And he said, okay, or some, I don't know exactly what he said after that. But so here's the thing, we need to have another vote. How many of you think that next week, Nur should have to wear a bow tie? Hmm, that's pretty, pretty strong numbers in the old building here. And since, since I wear a shirt regularly that everyone here hates, you realize the first vote meant nothing to me. Okay, so uh, we do have a few things. Our, 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 um, our church in India, they've got the... Um, the um, the concrete roof on there, now they're going to be start working on the inside. We're really excited about this. This is like the last pieces of this. I mentioned uh, either last week or the week before, we do have enough money in the bank to, to finish most of what we've got right now, and we think we're moving uh, fairly good on that. But we still have got things that we need to be doing over the next five years, including their salaries, and so we want to encourage you to give to this. Uh, we're, we're trying to establish, so this is the like the first step is getting the, the uh, duplex finished, getting the guys in there, getting the church established. Um, then the next two pieces of this is we still want to uh, get the clinic there in some, in some fashion, some form, and then we want to get Harvest Hill Corners there uh, also. And so with that, uh, we are also having, uh, Jerry is having the Harvest Hill Corners annual banquet. It's coming up October 22nd. Uh, we want everybody there. We want you to, you know, you're invited uh, this is an informational. There's always some motivational. There's some opportunities to see what's going on financially in Pakistan. But we want to be including that that this is the next step. Maybe even by next year, that at this annual thing, we're going to be talking about harvestful corns in India too. And so we want to invite you to be a, a part of that and see what's going on uh, with harvestful corners. And Jerry over here has all the information you need. Um, about that, most of you probably get emails, but if you're not connected with Harvestful Corners, uh, you need to you need to get that. Okay, so um, I think that's it. Yes. Now I I uh, speaking about I've been talking over the last handful of weeks with kind of the idea in my head. It's not really a series or anything, but the the understanding in my head that um, that I'm I'm pushing us toward our mission, who we are as a church. They were trying to draw closer to the Lord, supernaturally do that, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, bring others with us. We've, we've uh, encapsulated that down to pursuing God, reaching people. And that's, that's what we want to be accomplishing as a church. And so we're going after God 
at all times. We're always pursuing him. I had somebody ask me one time, well, you don't have to pursue God. He's there at all times. Um, how, how do you feel about marriage? That's, you know, you don't have to. I said I love you when you were married. You know, I'll let you know if it changes. That, that's not, that's not relationship. Relationship is pursuing. Relationship is going after. And so we're pursuing God. And, uh, and we're also reaching people in the process. And the reason we're reaching people is because we have um, absolute truth to give them, that this is, this is eternity, that this is peace, uh, peace with God, peace uh, relationship with God, reconnecting, reestablishing that relationship, all the different things that are involved with that. Now, um, with that, I was, I've been processing this kind of systematically, uh, the, the steps. And, and really, I did this on a personal level. I said, okay, if I'm, if I'm pursuing God and I'm trying to reach people, what are the things that keep those things from happening? What are the things in my world, in my life that, that keep that from happening? And so that's where I, I spent over up until this week. And this week, it's kind of going into the next step is um, how not, not what's keeping it from happening, but how do I get to that next place? Where, how do I think intentionally? How do I proactively reach into uh, tomorrow to, to pursue God, reach people? How do I think about this uh, proactively? And so I want to talk about, over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit empowers us. How, I'm going to talk about the, um, the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some I'm going to talk about the fruits a little bit uh, over the next few weeks. But really to say, okay, th- this, is, this is a predominant thing uh, in, in the New Testament. In fact, I, I, I heard this one time. I was, at a, uh, I was in a seminary class, and this was a conservative Baptist seminary, Denver Seminary up in, in Denver. And... and um, and, and so they don't, they don't really see uh, empowerment of the Holy Spirit or gifts of the Spirit or anything anywhere near like we do, okay? In fact, they, don't, they think they're, they're not for today, which makes no sense because why did they get put in the Bible if they're not for after the, what it was written? But either way, so, so I was processing this, and, and one of the professors said this was a major, um, there was a lot of major tension, and conflict, and disagreement um, about whether people should be empowered by the Holy Spirit and all this kind of stuff at the time of the New Testament. And, I, and so I asked the question in class. I said, uh, can you show me one scripture that backs that up? Just, just show me one. There was never anywhere in the New Testament a conflict with whether people should be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The only conflict you can find is they overdid it sometimes. This is, this is one of the, the things that I've, I've had the conversation with people. They say, well, the scripture says that you should only have like two or three messages in tongues, and they should be interpreted, and if they're not interpreted, you shouldn't have them, and that you should stop at two or three. And I said, okay, when our church gets to two or three per service, because that's what it means, we'll start worrying about slowing her down, right? Until then, <laughs> we're missing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not getting there. We're not walking in the Holy Spirit the way we're supposed to be. Because he said, when you get to the point where there's two or three, pull her back. Because there needs to be uh, decency and order and all that kind of stuff. So really, the, the, the basic foundational minimum is should be two or three messages, interpretations. We should have gifts of healing. We should have all this stuff going on uh, constantly in our services. Because Why? That was the norm at the New Testament time. There was never any conflict with whether that should be the norm. Every single person in the New Testament church was filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered the Holy Spirit, prayed in the Spirit, walked in the gifts of the Spirit. That's why 
Paul said, now sometimes, because all of you are doing this all of the time, sometimes we need to put some balance in there when we come into service, and we need to see how this works to get us moving the gospel forward. The idea that there was conflict of if never happened, ever, not one time. It was how much, how often, to what degree, how do we understand each other, what's the priority, but not if. And this is, this is the number one thing that carries the church forward. Without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the church does not move forward. And you can go to places in history and see where the church has died. And the reason is because an understanding of the, of the forward movement of the Holy Spirit died first. And then, within a couple generations, the church begins to die out, uh, i.e. Europe. And example number two, quickly on its heels, is America. And we need to, we need to get, figure this out. And so, i got some things to, to help stick in your head to remember this. I've got some pictures that will help us. Okay? Uh, first picture. <clears throat> this is a Koenigsegg Regera. It's a car. It's uh, the most horsepower of any car uh, production vehicle that exists today, 1,479 base horsepower. Next picture. This is a Bugatti. I, I love Bugattis. They're, they're just amazing cars. I'm going to own one someday. <laughs> okay. So Bugatti Chiron, this is 1,479 base horsepower. Next, next car. This is a Remac. This is a 1,384 horsepower. Amazing, amazing car. Uh, this is a Neo EP9, 1,300 plus horsepower. Amazing vehicle. Next one. This is the Dodge Demon. I saw one of these at the car show this, a, a few months ago in Denver. Uh, opened the door and uh, started to sit in it, and this guy ran over and said, you're not allowed to touch this car. And I said, yes, sir. So 840 base horsepower. But interestingly, the Dodge Demon is the fastest car in the quarter mile of all nine of the cars I'm going to show you. Even though it's, about, it's less than half the horsepower of the top one, it is the fastest in the quarter mile of any production car today. I, I did look that up, though, just, just because I, I love cars. I love thinking about I, By the way, I don't want to own, actually own any one of these because you'd have to drive it around, and I don't get in and out of small cars very easily. But, um, but I, I did look this up because I remember a statistic. The Tesla Supersport, it's, not, it's actually called the uh, Tesla um, Scream, I think is what it is called, is actually faster. But they don't include it in any of these statistics because it's not an internal combustible engine. It's an electric car. But it can go from 0 to 60 in 3.2 seconds. All right, so um, just thought I'd throw that out there. Next car, Ferrari 812. And they had to put the name on it super fast in case you were wondering uh, what it is. Uh, next car. This is the Lamborghini. You've got to always include a Lamborghini, right? A Ventador S, 740 horsepower. And I think the last one, are we to the last one now? Nope, two more. McLaren. Oh, yeah, you got to include a McLaren. So my son, when he graduated from high school, my oldest son, we, we went on a trip to Alaska. And uh, so I assumed the next son, uh, Isaac, he would want to do something similar. So we were actually planning out a trip to Machu Picchu. We were going to hike up uh, the, the two and a half days it takes to get up to Machu Picchu. And so uh, we're getting ready. And finally, as we got closer, Isaac said, Dad, I don't really like to hike. 
camp or go places. So I said, so what do you want to do? And he said, um, I like to drive cars. So I found this thing online where it was coming through here right after he graduated. All these supercars came to the Pikes Peak International Raceway. And so we bought a package deal. He could drive three of these cars, uh, laps and different things, and then he could ride in one car with somebody. The McLaren is the one that he rode in the car with a professional driver. Now, I watched him. I've got this on video of him driving a uh, Jaguar going around. He's going like 95 miles an hour around this curve. And I'm thinking, he's going kind of slow because this Lamborghini passed him like he was sitting still. And I asked him later, Isaac, why were you going so slow? He said, Dad, until you're in that car, don't ask me those questions. <laughs> I thought, valid. So he said he got later in a McLaren. And the guy drove him around in the McLaren. And he said he literally thought he was going to die the whole time. He'd never gone that fast, never moved that quick. And then the last car, which I didn't expect to be on this list, was a Bentley. 700 horsepower. Now you say, why am I showing you all these pictures? Every single one of these cars were designed specifically to have a lot of power. They were designed that way. In fact, some of these cars, I know the McLaren for sure, um, the, the uh, Lamborghini, I've been in that car also, they are not comfortable cars to sit in. Some of them don't even have padding in the seats. It's a, it's a, a sports seat. They've got straps that come over, all these kind of things. Um, the Dodge, it's a comfortable car because it's American. I don't think any of the rest are Americans. But the, the, the idea is that they're designed for power. They're not designed for comfort and ease and laziness. I just threw that in there because you, you kind of see where I'm going. So th they were designed for power. The reason I, I use the pictures of the cars is because I want you to think about this in the future. When you see a, a hot rod, a muscle car, something go by, even a big old truck lifted up, big tires. I want you to think that that vehicle was designed for something specific, and it's, and it's power. It's to accomplish either fast, um, power to climb, power to pull, doing something. It's designed for power. I, I really do believe that every one of us here, and, and I can show you lots of scripts. I'm just going to show you a few, but that we were specifically designed to be empowered. We were specifically designed to operate much bigger than we operate, to operate much deeper spiritually, mentally than we operate, that God's designed us to accomplish a lot more than we accomplish on a regular basis. Now, last week, um, granddaughter, I'm going to show you that every time I uh, turn that on. Um, last week, I kind of... Um, I kind of, I, I was going to talk about Samson, and I didn't, I didn't get there, and so I'm going to mention Samson again, but Acts chapter 1-8 specifically says that you will receive power, and in case you haven't ever heard this or, or looked this up or whatever, uh, the word power right there in Greek is dunamis, which is the same word that we get dynamite from. So, so the way the scripture says this is that, that when the Holy Spirit enters into your life, and this doesn't mean the entering into your life at salvation, okay? That when, when he was saying this, when, when Luke is writing this, that Jesus is saying this right at the ascension, the disciples basically already believed that Jesus was Lord and Savior. They had already given their life to him. The Holy Spirit had already entered into their life. But Jesus is specifically saying, but you're going to receive the Holy Spirit in a power kind of way. In a dynamite kind of way. This is an explosive 
uh, empowerment mentality. Now, the term that we use a lot in, in the New Testament, and it's the correct term, is that you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That you'll be, another term we would use is be filled. Probably baptized is the, is the more theologically consistent term. Now, I personally, um, when I'm thinking through it and I'm verbalizing it, I don't use the term baptized in the Holy Spirit too often because of, the, because of the connotation to it. Not because of whether it's right or wrong. It is the correct term. But I don't use it because some of it, the way I thought about it when I was a kid and because some of the conversations I've had with people over the years, I, t- I use the term um, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But the mentality, the visual picture of being baptized, being immersed in the Holy Spirit is the correct way to look at that. Okay? But I use the term empowered because I want us to think about what's going on. What's the purpose? Part of the reason that I don't use the term baptized is because in the church over hundreds and hundreds of years, baptism became the end all. The church said when you were baptized into the church, and this is the, this is the Catholic church, but it, that is our roots, when you were baptized into the church, then you were done. You were finished. You were in the church. It didn't matter. You could, you could do whatever you wanted after that. It literally didn't matter. You were baptized into the church. So it was a finished kind of thing. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't ever want us to think it's a finished kind of thing. It's a beginning moment. It's a beginning moment for something. That's like saying, I put gas in my Bentley. (laughs) I still can't imagine that as a supercar. But but I, I put gas in my McLaren so that I could let it sit in the garage. That thing is full of gas. Have you ever driven it? No. What? No, it's sitting in the garage. We had, this was quite a few years ago, uh, we were building a building in our last church, and um, we, we were, people were uh, giving stuff, raising money, we were doing all kinds of things, and this guy in the church gave a, a brand new Corvette to the church that we could auction off, and we ended up making a lot of money on that, by the way, um, in case any of you are thinking about that, doing that, same thing. <clears throat> Um, so he brought it up to the church, and we're, we're um, auctioning this off through the church, and $100 a ticket, and people were buying lots and lots of tickets. In fact, I've mentioned this before, the, um, the guy that I talk about every now and then, he's one of my closest friends, he's 94 this year, his daughter in Houston bought a bunch of tickets and won the car. And uh, so he, the guy brings it over to my house, and he parks it in my garage, and he says, you keep it here during the auction, and uh, then the church will cover the insurance and all this stuff, and it'll, it'll, you just need to keep it here. I said, okay. So a couple weeks after that, he, I, I see him at church and he says, have you, have you driven that Corvette? No. I'm not going to be the guy that wrecks the uh, car that we're raising f- for the building fund. That's not going to be. He says, you need to drive the car. It's insured, right? And I'm thinking, I, sh- I should drive the car. <laughs> and so one day, one day I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I get in the Corvette and I kind of drive it out through the through the countryside out there on some roads and stuff. And so then the next week he asked me to drive the car. I said, I did drive the car. He said, did you redline it? I said, no, I'm not going to be the guy. That He says, you need to redline that Corvette until you, it's a six-speed uh, uh, standard, until you get to that point where you feel each of those red lines, you have not experienced that car. So one day I'm sitting there, I'm going I'm to do this. So I get my son in the car, and uh, he's a car guy, and he likes it. And I said, we're going to do this. And that fellow was right. That car needed to be redlined in every single gear. I head out toward I-70. I'm coming down onto I-70 east of Denver. 
and I'm taking the exit, and before I get to the exit, I'm in fifth gear, I'm going 147 miles an hour, and I haven't even shifted to sixth yet. And I said, and so I didn't shift to six. I slowed down. and Because I'm thinking, pastor gets put in jail. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but there's something about a, a power mentality. And, and I think a lot of us, guys, I'm not trying to be, pick on us here. But I think a lot of us live our lives regularly by putting gas in the car and leaving the car sitting in the garage. And I think the Holy Spirit is really wanting to do a lot with us on a regular basis. But we haven't trained our mind to think that way. We don't think about us having power beyond us. We think about God kind of doing stuff into our life instead of power of the universe exploding into our existence and flowing out of us. Power of the universe. The same, the same power of the, uh, that, that, that sent the fire down and consumed the altar when Elijah was on the mountainside. You say, well, how can that be the same power? Fire, power, always represented together with God's presence in the Old Testament. Go to Acts chapter 2. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a flame of fire on each individual head. Every single one of them had a, had, a, had a symbol so that they could recognize, I'm going to receive the power of relationship with God supernaturally flowing from me to other people. And they all recognized that immediately. That that, that that altar, that that sacrifice is going to be consumed by presence of power of God himself. And so that flame is on every one of them. There is a difference between the, what the Holy Spirit is doing when he saves us and enters into our life there's a difference between that and the power of the Holy Spirit that we should be seeking and requesting regularly. In Acts chapter 5, when they come, these are the exact same people in Acts chapter 2. They're all, it says in Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They all spoke in tongues, flames of fire on every single one of them. The sound of the, the rushing wind, you know, the breath of God. This, the, I've talked about all this stuff before. Acts chapter 5, they're all sitting there, same people, again, same exact people are sitting there in Acts chapter 5, and they say, we're scared to death because they're putting us in jail. Give us boldness to preach. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. If this is the same Holy Spirit mentality that is in our life at salvation, then why were they all filled again? Because we're supposed to be filled with power constantly. Filled with power. You pour that gas in, you light that motor up, and you do the things that God has said, and then you're going to have to be filled up again. As I said a couple weeks ago, God never intended human beings to be the end point for anything he's trying to do in their life. Whether it be blessings, our salvation, um, healing, miracles, any, you are never supposed to be the end point. What I was talking about a couple weeks ago is forgiveness. Forgiveness is not supposed to stop with you. It's supposed to go to others. Same with everything else. Knowledge of God is supposed to go to others. It's not supposed to stop with you. Anything that you stop with you, you're being disobedient to the Holy Spirit. You're clinching the Holy Spirit. Everything is supposed to flow through you to other people. So you do get the benefit. There's no doubt about it. You get the benefit. But so does everybody else. And that's the point of this. So let's go back to Samson. I want to show you something. Um, Judges chapter 14, verse 5. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the village, vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. This is the Holy Spirit. When it says Spirit of the Lord, it's not talking about Jesus. It's not talking about God. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. I didn't, 
I didn't know you tore young goats' heads apart at the mouth, but apparently you do. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. Then later on, he comes back by, and there's honey in there. He reaches in. He's not supposed to reach into a dead carcass. He takes the honey out gives it to his parents. I mean, he gets a lot of deceptiveness, a lot of disobedience, a lot of rebellion going on with his life, things he's not supposed to be doing, things that God said specifically against the rules. But interestingly, God still anointed him over and over and over. And he does this great feats of strength constantly. Now, let me just throw something out here for for you to process. Um, He tears this lion's mouth apart from from sheer strength, power within his body, muscular strength. Um, Another time in the scripture, it talks about he's... He had gone to see a prostitute in the city. They're going to trap him. He realizes they're going to trap him. So he goes, even through his disobedience and rebellion and perversion, God still used him and still anointed him. But he goes up to the city gates, tears the city gates off, and carries them a few miles down the road. Huge, big old gates that that, that 20 men couldn't have lifted in any other circumstance. And he picks it up by himself, carries it. So here's, here's what I would like to suggest to us. I believe that God has designed us to be able to accomplish much more than we accomplish. Now, don't confuse this with physical strength, okay? It was shown to us in Samson through physical strength that God is trying to do more with us. But here's something that I very strongly believe. I believe that what God does with Samson when he gives him this supernatural strength is God gives Samson the ability to operate the way God had originally designed the human body. You follow me with that? I believe if Adam, before the fall, had walked up to those same city gates, he could have carried them wherever he wanted to carry them. And it wouldn't have torn his muscles apart. I've been thinking about this a lot after my surgery and my bicep getting torn and all the different things. I have thought about this a lot. Do you realize that even things like that, all I did was pick up a a 700-pound barrel. It wasn't that big of a deal. And it tore my bicep. If... do, do you really believe, think about this with me for a second, do you really believe that Adam could have torn a muscle? Now, I know you're going, I've never thought about that before. I know, but I think about this stuff all the time. I don't believe Adam had the ability to tear a muscle. I believe God had created his muscles to not operate like that. The doctor specifically told me the reason that my bicep and the tendon ruptured my bicep tore was because I'm getting older. I know. It hurt me. And he said, what happens is after you get 40, there's like a, like a little disease, like an enzyme that gets in your tendon. And if you do everything just right, it'll snap that tendon. And it doesn't matter how heavy the, option, the uh, object is. He said, it's more about age and, and things that get into your body that deteriorate your body. See, I don't believe Adam had the ability to tear a muscle. I believe he could have picked up a tree if he so desired. God made him big, powerful. And we do get glimpses of this, right? What about Goliath? What about those kind of things? I believe that Adam and Eve in their perfection would not have got, they could have run 50 miles and never tired. They could have picked things up, never torn muscles, any of this kind of stuff. And I believe that what Samson got was a glimpse that we could look at and see of how God created human beings in the first place before sin began to tear muscles down, began to deteriorate the physical body, and began to let disease and sickness dilapidate us, 
Now you say, well, why is that important to this? We're talking about spiritual power. Because, guys, I believe that we were designed to have spiritual power even greater than the physical power. You were specifically created. I'm talking on a physical, physiological sense. You were specifically created to have the spirit and the power of the universe living and dwelling with inside of you and bringing power to accomplish things that are way beyond the physical. That you can accomplish supernatural things that, that physically that you couldn't even think was possible. And you can accomplish stuff. It is not a physical thing to lay hands on somebody and see them supernaturally healed. But we see it all through Scripture. And Scripture says that you could do all the things that Jesus did and even greater things. Why? Because the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from a, a, a grave that all the demons of hell were trying to keep him in. Think about that. If they could have just kept him in the grave, Satan would have won. All the demons of hell were not paying attention to any person on the planet at that moment. And they're trying to keep Jesus in the grave. And the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave will jump into your physical body. That's what it says. Will quicken your physical body. Will jump in the middle of your physical body and do great things. Accomplish great things through you through the limited physicalness of your mind and your, and, your, and your voice and your hands, he can change lives and he can change worlds and nations. He can change physical bodies and healing and all kinds of stuff. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the guy doing it. But he's doing it through us. And somewhere we have to get to the point to say, just like Samson, I can do things that don't make sense. I can do things way bigger than me. I can do these things. How? When the Holy Spirit enters into my existence, I will receive power. Now, basically four things. I always talk about the witnessing side, but there's basically four things that the Holy Spirit is trying to do. He's, he wants to empower us to live for Christ. <clears throat> you know, say no to sin, that kind of thing. That takes, that takes courage. That takes, um, that takes the Holy Spirit power. It takes resilience and, and confidence in the Holy Spirit. To, to sometimes just to live for Christ, just to do the things that we're supposed to. Sometimes it seems easy, but there are times when it does not seem easy. And every one of us here, <clears throat> we would have examples of this. When you knew that temptation, that moment, that issue, that sin thing crouching at your door, as Scripture says, it just seems overpowering. It seems like you cannot say no. It just seems way too big for you. That's normal for us as limited human beings to have those moments. That's why we need an unlimited power of the Holy Spirit to help us to say no to sin. Because it's not natural for the human flesh to say no to sin. To live for Christ, to do the things that we're supposed to. To love like Christ, to love, to truly love people. To truly love God, love ourselves the way God intended, and to love other people. All of those are, super, we need supernatural help. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to do that. Why? Because sometimes people are not that lovable. And quite honestly, sometimes we're not that lovable. And I'm saying to love yourself. You look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. And it's difficult because you know what you've been doing. You know your thought process. You know the stuff. It's not easy sometimes to love you. Or because of, of past and different things. But you can have the Holy Spirit to say, love God, love yourself, love others. And you understand that is the, the scriptural pattern. Love God with everything about you. And then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. You know what the in-between is implied? Loving yourself. Biblically, scripturally. The third thing is to know the word of God like Christ knew the word. 
Christ grew in the knowledge of God. We're supposed to be doing the same thing. How how Jesus do it? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How are we supposed to do it? Through the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was led into the wilderness and was tempted, how, how did he say no to sin at that moment? And I've had many people answer that question, well, because he was God. No, that's not the correct answer there. The reason he said no to sin, it tells us in Luke 3 and John 3, it says he was led into the Holy Spirit, led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And so he uses God's word under the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to sin. The fourth thing is that we're supposed to declare God like Christ did, and this is through uh, miracles and this is through witnessing. And those go hand in hand, and by the way, in Scripture. When you, when you tell somebody these signs will follow, they go hand in hand. We need the Holy Spirit for those four basic categories, okay? So <clears throat> let's jump down. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising to God, he went into the temple with them. I think it's interesting they're going to the temple that is not a Christian temple. It's a Jewish temple. They're going in there to do uh, Jewish things. Pray to God in Jewish ways. But they're also praying to Jesus. They're talking to Jesus. I... I've had this question happen one time. I, I was on a trip in China, and I went into a Buddhist temple. And uh, some of our team wouldn't go in. They said, I'm not going into that demonic place. You can't love And they were, like, critical of me. They said, you, I can't believe. Do you love Jesus? How can you go into that place? Do you think anything in there is going to get on me? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this Buddhist temple. And I walked in there, and they're chanting, they're doing things, they're praying, they're lighting incense, all kinds of stuff. And I just walked around. In fact, at one time, one temple, I went in like 20 different temples, but one temple in particular, this guy, big old drum, he's sitting there beating his drum, and he's playing. And I walked in and stood right beside him, and I just began to pray for him. He didn't know English. I prayed out loud for him. Just prayed. I prayed about everything about God save his soul, change his life. Greater is he that's in me. And somewhere we have to know that the power of God within me is greater than anything I'm going to deal with today. Anything I'm going to deal with tomorrow. Now, this is important. Um, Paul said when he's talking about the don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, that mentality is constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't need the inebriation of the world. In fact, I saw this this week, just because you guys brought it up. I saw an article this week that says that there is no healthy blood alcohol levels that we could ever consume. There is no amount of alcohol that will, I'm saying it wrong, any drop of alcohol we will ever consume is damaging to us. There is no healthy amounts of alcohol, ever. I can forward you, because I saved it, I can forward you the article if you think I'm making that up. If you drink alcohol, you are hurting the temple that the Lord created for you, for the Holy Spirit. It's called your body. Okay, thought I'd throw that out there. All right, when Peter and John are looking at him, when Peter and John are doing this, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Acts 3. It's right after Acts 2. And it says that Peter looked at him intently. You understand that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's happening at that moment. It's saying, hey, something's about to happen. Guys, we've got to be constantly filled, constantly filled, be being filled, constantly filled. It's not a, I got filled 20 years ago, and it, that doesn't even make sense. 
That doesn't even make sense. Lose that kind of mentality. Well, I was filled once before. Lose that mentality. You need to be constantly rolling with the power of the Holy Spirit. Every single day. I can't imagine getting in your car and heading off to work in, in, every single morning and not praying constantly, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. There's stuff at work that I'm going to need your power. There's people's lives. I'm going to need your power. There's temptations. I'm going to need your power. There's moments that are going to be bigger than me. I need your power. Guys, I cannot imagine you trying to live a day without constantly praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. Constantly praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. What was that? Yes, it does. It leaks. I don't know if that's the... Okay, it leaks. You leak. <laughs> that's actually, I guess, true. You use it, just like anything else, right? You use the power of the Holy Spirit when you're tempted. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're saying no, and you need that field. You need that replenished. You need that constantly going on in your existence, your world. So this is what happens with Peter John. Power of the Holy Spirit. They see this supernatural moment. The guy's heals, ankle, ankle strength, and all kinds of stuff. Here's another one. Do you think Adam had the ability to break an ankle? I'm serious about it. I'm not just trying to be clever. See, I don't think he did. I think God made his bones in such a way that they couldn't. Because why? That the ability to break something means God didn't make it right. But God made it right. It's sin, disease, and sickness that tears apart this body. that makes it, And we're all susceptible to it. Every one of us are susceptible to it. Some of you are older than me. It surprised you and blown out a lot of stuff over the years. I don't want to be the only one that had a muscle rupture. So, it's not the right way to say that. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. Now, this is Luke talking, but he's talking about other people, right? She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. It's interesting that the demon is saying truth. And, and Paul doesn't stop her for a long, long time. Paul doesn't stop her. Day after day after day, Paul never stopped her. And then... This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned around and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her and instantly left her. That through the authority of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, you, demons are subject to us. That's power. That's power beyond anything you can imagine. The next time you hear a car go by, you know, one of those big mufflers on those tiny little two-cylinder cars, <laughs> think to yourself, there's no power in that car, just a muffler. But then when you see a real car with power, think to yourself, now there's power in that car. And then think to yourself, and there's power in me. There's Holy Spirit power in me. And if you say, well, is there really power? At that specific moment, say, Holy Spirit, fill me and give me power. And the answer will be yes, there is power within you. We should constantly be praying. Remember in 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to talk about this some over the next couple of weeks. In 1 Corinthians 14, it specifically says that when I speak in tongues, when I pray in tongues, that I am strengthened personally. I am powered up personally. So you should be praying in the Spirit 
all the time. I mean specifically tongues, praying in tongues. When I said praying in the Spirit, that's what I mean. You should be praying in tongues all the time. Why? Because that's where power that is bigger than this physical body and bigger than the physical world that I live in, that's where it comes from, is praying in the Spirit. It's the actual empowerment moment. You guys have heard me pick on this before. The Assemblies of God, I'm part of this. I believe this. I'm not disagreeing with the Assemblies of God in case there's microphones in the room. I'm not disagreeing with the Assemblies of God. We believe that, that, uh, that the evidence of empowerment of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. I believe that that's, uh, that sells it short. I believe that's not enough to answer that question. That is not theologically solid enough. I believe that speaking in tongues is actually how we're empowered. It's not the sign of it. It's not proof of it. It's how. It's the empowerment. You, you see the difference? I don't, need, I don't need a sign that I've been filled. I need power to do, to be, to preach. I need power to tell. I need power to pray. How do I get that? I pray in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit. That's why when people say, can I be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? I don't think that's a, I don't think you're asking a, a, the, I don't think that's the right question. It's like saying, can this car go without gas? The whole thing is designed around that. It doesn't exist. I guess you could push it. And I, and I think we got a lot of Christians pushing their Christianity. They're behind this big old massive, I was about to say Dodge Demon, but I don't want to use that for this one. The, the, let's say the um, Lamborghini, because you know the word demon. So the Lamborghini, you're behind the Lamborghini of your Christian walk, and you're pushing this thing. People are saying, you know, it would be way cooler if you get in it. You, you can't go very fast at all this way. We're like, no, I got this. I can do this. I got it by myself. I got my Christian walk. I got my knowledge. I, I'm covered with the blood. I got, I'm just going to push this thing. And the Holy Spirit's saying, just get in the car. And we can do some pretty big stuff. We're trying to push it. Let me get to the last part of this. Ezekiel chapter 37. And, and I want to throw this out here. And I, I don't want this... I prayed about this a long time, how to say this, and I had it written down a handful of different ways. And, and really, of everything that I'm about to say, this is the most specific that I know that the Holy Spirit is saying, this needs to be said this way, okay? I believe there's three categories that I put it in. I know that God wants to do something in all of us right now today, every one of us in this building. But here's the basic three categories. Some of you have been comfortable in your Christianity for a long time. And the Holy Spirit wants to do something bigger than that. He wants to do something outside of your way of looking at this. He wants to, he wants to do more than what you have been allowing him to do. The second thing is that some of you know, maybe, maybe not comfortable with it, but some of you know you do need more. You know that there's more out there. Maybe you haven't understood it before, maybe you haven't processed it before, but you know the Holy Spirit wants to do more than he's done in your life up to this point. You're going to have to let him. You're going to have to reach out and say, Holy Spirit, I need this. What do you want to do? What do you, it's not, I'm not going to draw the rules up, Lord. What do you want to do in my life? And the third thing is, that some of you are just dry and broken. 
and dry a while. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be dry. Not necessarily something you've done. It could be, but that's not important. It's just that the fact that you're dry. I've heard people say this before. I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. I think that's a way to verbalize that. Maybe it's a little different, but just I, I just feel dried out. I just don't feel that, that closeness and that sensitivity and that Holy Spirit's just speaking to me. I can feel that flowing through my life. And you need this. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, the Lord took hold of me. This is Ezekiel talking. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. I, ha I have been praying that scripture for months and months now, and I don't, I'm not pointing it toward anything. I'm not pointing it toward our church, although I think it is included. I'm pointing it to me. I'm pointing just again I'm in a general sense. I, I, I just feel like Maybe just Colorado Springs. Maybe I, I know I'm processing this from our fellowship of the Rocky Mountain Ministry Network and just a lot of things. I'm saying, I feel like God is saying to me, do you think I can do this? Do you think I can revitalize us, revive, uh, um, revive us? And, I, and my answer is, I don't know, God, only you know the answer to that. I sure want it. I sure want it. And I'm praying this probably as much for, for many of my pastor friends that we're spending a lot of time and energy debating right now whether we should drink alcohol instead of should we get people saved. I, I don't understand the, I don't understand why we have to have that stupid immature conversation. Well, we're, we're grown people. We could drink. You can do whatever you want. But do you want the Spirit of God? Do you want the Spirit of God in your life? That's the question. It's not what can I get away with that draws me away from the Lord. Can I get the Spirit of God in my life so that there will be miracles again? So that there will be supernatural again? So that people will get saved again? When do we have that conversation? When do we, when do we, and, and the, the only thing I can say to God is, God, I don't know. Start with me. Can you revive this thing? Because I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know the rest of that question. He says, you alone know the answer. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Guys, I believe we need to look in the mirror and prophetically speak to ourselves. Prophetically speak God's word to us. And we're going to look at just a little bit, but I think there's a lot of things that we can speak to ourselves. Look in the mirror and speak to yourself. You are a child of God. You are anointed by the Spirit of God Himself. You are victorious in the Lord. You don't have to be defeated. You don't have to be beat up by Satan and all the junk. You can live in victory. You can live in healing. You can live in power. You can live in the gospel. You can live in peace. And I think we got to prophetically speak this stuff to ourselves. Guys, what we're speaking to ourselves sometimes is the exact opposite. Well, nobody will notice if you can do that. 
You can get by with this. You can say this. You can have this attitude. You can, and, and we're speaking this stuff into our existence, through our mind, our heart, and our lives. Instead of looking at the, 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 the dry bones and saying, let me tell you what God has said. Let me tell you what the Spirit of God says to this sick-ridden body. Let me tell you what the Spirit of God says to this broken marriage. Let me tell you what the Spirit of God says to this bankrupt existence. Let me tell you what God's Word says. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. It is not accident that Acts 2 starts off with the sound of the breath of God moved into that place. The sound of the mighty rushing wind. That's the breath of God. Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Spirit. And none of this is coincidence. It all fits together. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you again and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And that's the point. We'll know He's God. We'll live it. We'll think it. We'll declare it. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. Wouldn't this make an amazing movie? Think about it. we got all these movies that have been coming out. I, I saw the movie Samson, that big old hunk of a man. That dude is easy on the eyes, i got to tell you. But I, I, I'm thinking about all these, no, and all these different, with the CG and the stuff that we got today, I would love to see Ezekiel 37 in a movie. And to begin to hear, Ezekiel's looking across the field, and all of a sudden over the side you hear some bones start rattling. And you know something's going down. First time I ever experienced something, this is, this is 25 years ago plus, I took a youth group that I was youth pastor of to the Biblical Arts Museum in Dallas, Texas. It's since burned down. And all of the stuff in it burned, which was horrible. An artist had painted a 120-foot-long painting of the the day of Pentecost. You can go online and you can still see the pictures of it. You should do that this afternoon. Do it right now while I'm talking on your phone. Google Biblical Arts Museum, Miracle of Pentecost painting, 120 foot wide painting. Every person in the New Testament was painted into the picture. They had put little lights above the painting. They had put these little uh, like neon lights that would flame up with fire, look like flames of fire over the heads of the people. And then they would begin to read the story of certain parts of the gospel, and they would shine lights on the painting. Of, and the middle one was Peter standing there, and it's life, and he's full size. Actually, he's bigger than, he's about seven foot tall. And while you're sitting there in the bleachers, as it gets to Acts chapter 2 and the sound of the mighty, you know, it's like a British voice because that's holier. And, and all of a sudden you hear these fans turn on in the ceiling and you hear all this wind start moving into the place and then the lights would light up above their head and the first time I ever experienced that I, I literally wanted to just get up and run around the room I didn't know what to do it was so powerful to see it displayed like that wouldn't you like to have heard those bones begin to rattle again and so I, suddenly as I spoke there was a rattling noise across the valley the bones of each body came together and attached themselves it's complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies. They still had no breath in them. Then he said, speak a prophetic message to the winds. We're the ones who, who speaks this stuff. Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. 
So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and the breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. And then he said, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. And I believe we can theologically accurately say, and it represents right here, right now. These bones represent me, and it represents you. It represents Church of Briargate. And I want, the, I want the breath of God from the four corners of the planet to breathe into our existence and raise us to life again. Raise us to life that changes our workplace. Raise us to life that changes our family. Raise us to life that changes our physical body, that changes, that the, the, the chases out the sickness and all the junk, that, that the power of the breath of God as it breathes into us chases out sin, chases out discouragement and depression, chases out all the junk that Satan tries to do in our existence. And when we stand up, we stand up in life. We stand up in victory. We stand up in power. Not defeated, not beat down, but power. Power to be the witness that God wants us to be. Oh, my people, I will open your graves, cause you to rise again. That I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, you will know that I am the Lord. Why? I will put my spirit in you. And you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Stand with me if you would. Guys, I believe very strongly you were designed to have life right now. There are things in your life, in your mind, your existence that can speak death, that can constantly be death in your life. You were designed by God to have life. You were designed to have power and to have it supernaturally, abundantly in your existence. And you were designed to have victory. I believe this. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need your presence right now to move through this place. And Lord, I, I, I say just like in Ezekiel, just like Ezekiel said, I prophesy to us. This is what the word of the Lord says, that the, that the, the Holy Spirit breathed from all corners of the planet and breathe into our spirit right now. Holy Spirit, get into our minds. Give us life in our bodies. Give us life in our spirit. Give us life in our walk with you. Give us life. Lord, breathe into us right now. Breathe into us right now. And in, in the New Testament, Jesus took the disciples and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they all received the Holy Spirit. Guys, I really do believe it is simple as that. The first time I ever heard this, my father-in-law said this to me. He said, receiving the Holy Spirit is as simple as breathing in. Receiving the Holy Spirit, as simple as breathing in. All you have to do is when Jesus breathes His Spirit on you, which He's doing right now, all you have to do is just breathe it in and then just begin to pray in the Spirit. Don't, don't try to figure it all out. Don't try to understand all. Just receive the Spirit and begin to pray in the Spirit. Let, let, let's just do that. Just, just, just get your mind on the Lord right now. Lord, I just receive your Spirit. I just receive your spirit. Now pray in the spirit. As you sense the Holy Spirit getting in your mind and in your heart and deep into your, to your gut, then pray in the spirit. Begin to pray in the spirit out loud. Begin to pray in the spirit. Lord, I receive your spirit. I receive your spirit. Move through this place, Lord. Every single one of us, we need power in the name of Jesus. We need power. We need power over sin. We need power of our existence. We need power to love. We need power to know your word. We need power to witness. Lord, we need power. 
Jesus name Kurraba sarana shoku Yara suronama shaki Lord bring us to life Bring us to life in our minds and our spirits bring us to life in the name of Jesus Yara suronama Lord, if there's anyone in here that's not sure about this, just explode in their spirit right now. Let them know how amazing and awesome this is. That we can walk in your power. Lord, I pray that every one of us in this building will start out tomorrow morning. We'll start out our day praying in the spirit. Lord, as we lay our head on our pillow tonight, we'll pray in the spirit. And Lord, as we go to sleep, we'll sleep better if we pray in the spirit first. Lord, help us to, to, to seek your power and your presence every single moment. Bring your conviction into our spirit. Bring your direction, your discernment into our existence. Lord, and raise us to life. Lord, I pray right now over church at Briargate, Lord, that we will be, that we will be life receivers and life givers at all times. In the name of Jesus that I want healing to flow to my physical body and to others from my physical body. I want your gospel to flow to my life, your grace, forgiveness to flow to my life, and your grace and forgiveness to flow from my life. Lord, I want love to flow into my existence, that you loved me, that I love myself, and I want this love to flow out, that I will love others. Lord, I pray this for all of us. Pray these things for all of us. God, give us life. Give us life. Lord, put people in our path this week that need life, that need truth, that need victory, that need peace, that need purpose. Lord, put people in our path this week. And then, Jesus, we pray the same thing that Acts 5, that they pray in Acts 5. Give us boldness. Give us boldness. Give us boldness. I know that's our challenge sometimes. Lord, give us boldness. Give us compassion. Give us love. Help us to step out there and tell somebody. Lord, when we're faced with sin this week, we will declare that you're the Lord and that we will prophetically speak to ourselves. I do not have to sin. I can stand on the word of God. In Jesus' name. Lord, give us life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for our, our, um, our weekly altar times of, of, of our prayer partners. Lord, I pray for those moments. I pray for our prayer partners. I pray for every person that... that needs prayer every week, Lord, that you'll do supernatural things every week and that that'll continue to build and grow. The supernatural things will, will be happening in these services. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you an opportunity to ask for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you an opportunity before you get up, before you go to work, as you're getting up. He's going to give you the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Take it. Reach out. Pray in the Spirit while you're brushing your teeth. Maybe that's not the best.
Pray in the Spirit while you're taking a shower. Pray in the Spirit while you're doing your hair. Pray in the Spirit while you're tying your shoes. When you see that supercar drive by, say to yourself, I got power like that car does and more. God, honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. Shake somebody's hand. Hug their neck. Tell them how glad you are that they are here. We will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day.